In October of 2021, four members of the XV Planus investigative team traveled to Linville Gorge, just north of Morganton, North Carolina, in an attempt to see the fabled Brown Mountain Lights, a mysterious phenomenon of dancing lights known to appear at the base of Table Rock just across from Wiseman's View Overlook. First publicly reported in 1910, just after electronic home lighting became more common, the lights have been explained away with a variety of inconclusive conclusions at best. I say that because those who have witnessed them speak of the lights as though they were intelligent entities, yet anyone sent to study and explain them rarely, if ever, get a chance to see them. Over a hundred years later, they are still reported by eyewitnesses who ascend the mountain to catch a glimpse of them. And over a hundred years later, skeptics continue to explain away the events witnessed by others. Ball lightning, methane gas escaping crevices of the mountain, campers and hikers traveling through the gorge at night, hoaxes. In 1922, the USGS, the United States Geological Society, could find little to no evidence supporting the fantastical descriptions witnesses had claimed. In more recent times, Appalachian State University had been researching them for years and even collected hours and hours of surveillance and satellite footage, showing only a brief glimpse of them that most pass off as either light pollution or interference from cars, trains, and other human-based light sources. Yet the personal eyewitness accounts speak of lights that move at incredible speeds over great distances, changing colors and shapes, moving intelligently, no less. Those who have been fortunate enough to see the lights in such a state of movement often refer to it as a display for the witness, as if the lights know that they're being observed. And interestingly enough, like most paranormal or unexplainable phenomenon, the light seems to know how to show themselves without ever giving the observer a chance to capture good evidence. A blurred photo here, a fuzzy video there, those who have witnessed them have very little to say regarding what exactly they are. Some say UFOs, ghost lights, fairies. Native American tribes that once populated the area call them wandering souls of fallen braves, but no one has a definitive answer. My team spent two nights on the mountain. We were lucky enough to experience a variety of phenomena on both nights. The first night, we saw the lights and they interacted directly with us. Not only through visual contact, but through instrumental transcommunication. The second night, there were no lights, but we did manage another session of ITC. Whatever attempted to communicate with us that second night, it wasn't the lights. It was a palpable darkness. Welcome to XV Planets. Welcome back to XV Planus, friends, fiends, and lovers of strange and wondrous things. I am your host, Flood. So here we are, home stretch of 2021. But if you ask me, it's more like 2020 Part 2, Electric Boogaloo. It's been a rough year for a lot of us, myself included, but I hope as we hit the death rattle of this cycle, you have also found some hope for the future. I know that I have. 
while 2022 will obviously have its challenges as we are now living in a completely different world than we are familiar with, I am confident that this new year will bring us all good things. Now, before we get to our end-year set of episodes, I have a little house cleaning and some updates to share with you. As this episode is being published, we are officially eight days away from the Sally House venture. We will be sharing our experience through the show, of course, but we will not be airing that until February at the earliest. We will likely have a lot of data to comb through, and that will have to be done before we talk about it. However, if you would like a preview, we will be hosting a live tour of the Sally House and a Q&A on December 19th at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fireside. It will also be simulcast through the XV Planus YouTube and Twitch channels, and for those of you who know me personally, also on my personal Facebook account. I'll add the links to the YouTube and Twitch accounts in the show notes, and especially before we depart for the Sally House. There is nothing there at the moment on any of those channels, but we will be simulcasting a lot of our investigations in the upcoming months on those particular channels. Which brings me to the other event that's happening on the 19th. At 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 Pacific, we will be live streaming part of our investigation on all of those platforms as well. Unlike the Q&A through Fireside, we will not be interacting with our audience for that time as we will need to focus on the task at hand and we have limited time in the house. But it will give you an opportunity to see what we get into when we do these investigations. We will let the video feed run as long as the house lets us. More on that later. Who knows, maybe you'll catch something that we miss. Also, we will be stopping in St. Louis on the 18th to break up the travel time a little bit. So if you're in the area and would like to come and join us and have a beer with us or show us some haunted restaurants or bars, drop us a line on social media or at xvplanus at gmail.com. Next up, uh, the Twin Geeks series uh, will resume here in about a week, and that will be filling, filling in some of the gap as we will be closing out the first official season of XV Planus after the series of the Brown Mountain Lights is over. There will also be a couple of random episodes of Calamity and Hilarity in the break over the winter months, uh, some, some holiday um, chaos, if you like. Uh, but the main feed of the Freaky will be taking a breather as we process recent and upcoming data, as well as preparing ourselves for the next year. Also, we will be doing another Terror at Trophy, Sunday, December 12th, live on Fireside. And for those of you who live locally here in the Triangle, that is Trophy on Maywood in Raleigh, North Carolina at 7.30 p.m. this Sunday. Come on out and share your stories, or just come and hang out with three weirdos who are about to embark on one freaky journey as this kicks off the Sally House Prep Week. Translation of Prep Week is me locked in my apartment, meticulously checking equipment and batteries over and over and over and over again. I could use some help if anyone's bored. Finally, the XV Planus family is growing, and fast. I'm happy to announce that there will be a few people joining the show next year acting as more semi-permanent co-hosts, most of which you've already met, and some you will meet over the course of this stretch of episodes. I'm incredibly grateful for all the new people in my orbit as XV Planus continues to grow and evolve, and this will likely make it much easier next year to deliver consistent content with less breaks in 2022, especially once we kick off Season 2. I think that about sums up the announcements for now, but expect some bigger ones as we inch a little bit closer to the new year. Now, on to the Brown Mountain Lights. Now, as I mentioned in the cold open, 
The first reported cases, at least in print, were around 1910. Shortly after home, access to electricity became a little bit more common. Uh, this was the reasoning that the USGS had to explain it away in 1922, but the fact is the survey team never actually saw them. They may have seen lights from houses and cars and associated to the Brown Mountain lights, but let me put it this way. If you see them, there is no way that you would be able to confuse them for house lights, campfires, or headlights. It's the way they move, how fast they move. More on that later. And App State did indeed conduct their own surveillance for several years, but unfortunately it yielded no conclusive evidence. I'll add the link to their research in the show notes so you can check it out yourselves if you're interested. Now, I'm not a historian. I'm not a folklorist, and my research methods are novice at best. But this show was always meant to be more focused on personal encounters, which in turn has put me into the center of some very strange things. Our trip to Brown Mountain was no different. Two nights, two very different experiences. Through the course of this series, you will be hearing about the whole event from myself as well as a few of my team members, sharing their own personal opinion and perception on what actually happened each night. As an added bonus, I will be sharing an edited version of our Estes sessions as a addenda to separate bonus episodes simultaneously with each main episode. So... Within the next 24 hours of this episode dropping, start looking for the follow-up where you will actually get to hear most of the Estes session that we did. Fun fact, when we kick off our Patreon next year, we will be sharing all of our unedited sessions to hear, as well as unseen video and some special content, including access to our Discord channel, but if you ask me real nice, I might let you get into that one a little bit sooner rather than later. While you'll certainly hear quite a bit of my own thoughts on this case as the series progresses, I'll be withholding my own personal account and conclusions of this trip for the final episode, in part because I still need time to process everything, both personally and also the audio and video that was captured, and in part because I'd like to share some other points of view to illustrate how perception is everything. And so tonight, I'd like to introduce and welcome my friend Megan, who joined us on this journey and was on both Estes sessions with me on both nights. Uh, while I was constantly the receiver with the headphones on, she was the operator asking the questions. And it was pretty interesting interactions on both nights. All right, folks, I want to welcome my friend Megan to the show. Um, now, Megan came up to Brown Mountain with us for this two-day excursion of uh, utter insanity, and you're going to hear a lot more from her in the upcoming months because we are dragging her to Waverly and Bobby Mackey's with us. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, thank you so much for making time to come on the show. Yeah, not a problem. And you say dragging me like I didn't offer to come anyway. Yeah, I was just... basically like, I'm coming. And you were like, okay. <laughs> well, it just makes it more dramatic for the show. Hmm. That's fair. Yeah. Well, um the the goal with this interview series is is you know there were so many of us there and each one of us kind of saw things from a different angle so i was wondering if you'd be willing to share uh with my listeners what you experienced and we'll we'll take it night by night so let's talk about the first night that we were up there when we kind of actually saw the lights <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um well we got there what was it like nine ish like ish o'clock um, mm -hmm. at, well, after the sun had gone down and we knew all of the, like the people watching the sunset would be gone and like, 
so we get there and we roll up and there's like a group of students and a teacher like hanging out. And so we took like the opposite viewpoint mm-hmm. and it was just like, or no, that was the second night, wasn't it? With the, the students. I, I think it was the first night. Yeah, no, it was, it was the first night because we got mm-hmm. up there. We actually got up there a little bit earlier than, than nine because we were up there like right before sunset and they were. Yeah, you're right. I'm bad right. with time. Like temporal stuff is not my jam. Um, oh, buddy, but, I'm right there with you. <laughs> but we get up there and it's just like the, there's so, it's so foggy. Like it's like soup thick. Like it didn't seem like it was going to be that foggy driving up there. And we get up there and like the parking lot's clear and like. But as soon as you step out to look out over like over the actual valley, like it was just like a wall. It was like a wall of like fog. And I remember you putting your flashlight out and like it only went maybe 10 or 15 feet. I know. Yeah, it was insanity. It was so thick. And I was like, well, the second we got there, I'm like, well, we're not going to fucking see shit. Like Mm. this is whatever. And then so you were like setting up all of your equipment and you're like well you know we'll hang out we'll see what happens and i'm like the whole time i'm just like we're not gonna see anything this <laughs> there's it's so there's so much fog and it doesn't look like it's gonna blow over and we're not gonna see anything and then um i forget what the sessions are called the estes sessions yeah. yes the estes sessions you we decided to do one of those and nobody else really likes talking as much as i do and you wanted to do the headset so i was like i'll ask questions Right. So, yeah, that was a uh, that was interesting. At first, it was really slow and like it didn't seem like much was happening. But then it was like snappy, like I'd ask a question and like less than 15, 20 seconds later, you spit out something that made sense as an answer. And mm-hmm. it was just like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then there'd be like a minute or two pause and it was like back and forth again. Uh, so that was really interesting, actually. And I think maybe 10 or 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes into that is when we saw the first like little like spot. Somebody saw it and we're all like, oh shit. Like how bright does that have to be to, for us to be able to see it through this fog? Right. Yeah. And we didn't even get a a frame of reference for the, the depth of the valley or for the, uh, the scope of it until the next day when the fog had cleared. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, we it, so it, you said it was like fifteen twenty minutes into the Estes session is when we. I think we so because it was during right? the first one because I remember like you and I were sitting next to each other on the step, and then um, I don't remember who saw it first. It obviously wasn't us because our view was like not great with the. But um, I think it was Ralph. It was yeah, uh, it was Ralph. Maybe said something, and I stood up and was like, "Oh shit." And then mm-hmm. somebody tapped you and then you were like, fuck. <laughs> and then we started playing. Like, I think we stopped the Estes session at that point and like started playing around with the lasers. Yeah. Yeah. Which that was, holy shit, man. Like, <laughs> um, it was it, 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 like the, the whole interaction with the lights, it, it was much like the Estes session. It was kind of like a slow roll, a slow buildup. Yeah. But when I, whenever I broke that laser out, like when they started reacting to it, I'm still trying to wrap my head around that shit. Oh yeah, like you were doing like loop de loops, and they were like, kind of like <laughs> almost following it, and then you were like, I'm gonna try to get them to come closer, and you started doing loop de loops, but like you were pulling forward, so mm-hmm. it's coming like farther into the valley, like up to the other side, and like they would do the loop de loop, and then just like inch closer, and then you would do it again, and then inch closer. 
And like they from where with having zero depth perception because of the fog and not having any reference of frame like for where they actually were, it looked like they were getting closer and closer. I I think they were. Um I, I was definitely trying to to like lead them towards the uh the level of that cliff on the straight drop down. And if I remember collect- correctly, like before they fizzled out completely, I did have a point where there was like four or five of them all kind of converging on to yes, the spot yeah, that I was. Yeah, yeah, like you had a spot and you were dragging it. And like you weren't doing it in a straight line. You were kind of S-shaping, dragging yeah. it closer. And like they were just like, I don't know, kind of. I think that was right after one of them like exploded into more than ones. Like it was like a reddish color and then it kind of like got real bright for like half a second. And then it was like four and they all kind of went off in different directions. And then they came, started coming back. And then that's when you were pulling the laser down and they were like following it. God damn. I wish I could have gotten a video of that. Like I, I, you know, I took a few quick videos like while we were up there, but uh, upon reviewing them back at the, the, camp i'm like this is just fucking garbage <laughs> like all you can see is a laser pointing through fog and that's the only thing that got picked up i think it's because the laser was so bright it washed out anything else you would have seen no because even when i dropped the laser out of the image and let the camera readjust like it just it, it couldn't pick up that minute of a detail like i took yeah. one still frame and posted it on the instagram page and all it looks like is static with one tiny little bright dot yes right i saw like, that yeah and like, <laughs> like to us they were pretty faint but like we could you could see them they were there and they were obviously moving but like mm-hmm. some of them were like pretty faint and you had to kind of like squint a little bit and you could see it and there were one or two that were like majorly brighter than that yeah yeah <laughs> but uh like the next day coming back and seeing how far across that valley actually is like trying to figure out how bright they actually would have had to have been for us to, to even see them through fog. the fog. Yeah. Insanity. Yeah. No, it completely blew my mind too. Um, like I, I knew it was going to be quite a bit of a distance, but actually getting up there in daytime the next day, my fucking jaw was on the floor just going, what? Yep. Um, cause that means that the distances that they were following the laser with, like they were moving like, a quarter to half a mile and, yeah. and incredibly fast too. Yep. That's, that's just bananas. Um, so that, that was, that was the first night and the, the Estes session for that night, it seemed, um, I, I don't know, kind of lighthearted and, and, playful a little bit is yeah kind of what it I think like. that might be it might be because of me because I don't like I take things seriously but I don't get like um I'm trying to think of a good word <laughs> I don't get like upset or like weird about stuff I just take it as it comes and try mm-hmm. to like keep everything on an even keel because yeah. the second night um when I stopped doing it and then it just got real fucking weird like immediately because like, was... for the first Estes session on the second night, it was almost exactly the same way. It was it was when Ralph started. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like were... two minutes after Ralph took over, because they kept asking, like, ask, they like something, something R, something, something K, something, something J. And I'm like, yeah. obviously, they want to talk to Ralph. I'm like, Ralph, it's, this is your job now. And like, it got weird. Shit got dark. Real and it was quick. like immediately it wasn't like oh this is playful for like five ten minutes it was like ralph took over and shit hit the fan yeah yeah it really did um 
that was one of the most important things about that whole trip for me is the the complete and total difference between those two evenings and I, I, I don't know if 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 you want to go into the woo woo side of this, um, then I would certainly think that what we were getting through Estes on night one was probably directly uh, attributable to the lights. Mm-hmm. Whatever was going on that second night was not that. That was something yeah. completely different. And I remember at one point it started spouting off numbers, and uh, one of you all said, "Like, are are they talking trail numbers?" Is that oh, that was me because there's that like you? so that whole valley. I don't run, but Alan does. Right. I'm like, there's probably 40 trails in that valley, like 40 or 50, yeah, like 37-ish trails. Um, mm. So I started saying like, number one, number two, like whatever. I forget what the actual, number 15 maybe. And I'm like, oh, yeah. that's the, that's literally the trail that runs from the river to ta- like Table Rock. Right. Like I knew that because yeah. Alan runs it all the time. So I pulled it up on my phone because surprisingly had good access and like showed it to Ralph and Ralph was like, Oh, like, are you talking about the trail? And it was like, yes. Do you want us to go down there? Yes. Wait, like, really? Okay. Yeah, I haven't made know. it to that second yeah, session yeah, yeah, yeah. yet. Yeah. So it's like, it, oh. felt, it felt like, um, like when I was talking to it, it was very chill and kind of giving playful answers. And like the first night, even like it got pretty late and, um, um, the, the answers got like farther, like farther and farther, like between. And then, um, it said something about, we weren't understanding something we didn't understand. Hmm. Um, and then I was like, do you want us to come back later? Should we like, should we come back tomorrow? And it was like, yes. And then that's, I think that's like 15 or 20 minutes after that is when we packed up. But like that whole night, the whole first night, all of the, the sessions were very much like, pretty chill like yeah. are you got like we're asking are you the lights and they'd say something and then i'd ask a follow-up question and get an answer and then like it was very calm and it wasn't like anything that was like mm, terrifying or scary or in any manner yeah it wasn't like aggressive i didn't feel like i was in danger like whatsoever well, but so very that, that- playful actually yeah, yeah. the The first night definitely had a, a lighthearted feel to it, and I guess the first part of the second evening did. But um, there was that moment, like a couple of minutes after, apparently after Ralph took over. Man, it it the got tone me good. Was immediately, like immediately yeah, and switch. it took maybe a minute and a half after he took over. Like um, I got that that deep chill that you, you get literally in the, started the dead shaking. of winter. Yeah, it was. It was. Not I remember because I put my blanket on you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank, <laughs> thank you for taking care of me. You're welcome. But it was. Uh, it was something unpleasant. The, the only way that I can describe that is it felt a lot like what I experienced at um, Edwards Road like a year and a half ago. Just this cold, dark pressure kind of condensing on the situation. See, I think the difference is like I don't. Mm... I deal with a lot of like very confrontational, like large angry men on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't like when I feel confrontation, I don't bite. Like I don't bite because that's what confrontation wants, right? Confrontation wants you upset so that you are angry and responding back in that manner, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. I think the whole time I was doing the ask this method stuff on both nights, like there was that undercurrent that could have been there, but I never like, I never bit, like I never went for it. But like the second Ralph did it, Ralph also very confrontational. I think mm-hmm. he's kind of a confrontational dude. 
um, like He's not assertive. in a bad way. I, I, yeah, I would call yeah, him exactly. assertive. There you go. Yeah. Like as soon as it became Ralph and whatever this was, it um, it just like it was like a um, a recursive function. Like it was confrontational, and Ralph was confrontational back, and then it was, was responding like, yeah. back and forth. Yeah. So the the other thing that stands out to me, and and I, I shared the video clip with you whenever Ralph sent it to me from Shane. It was the the video that Shane took while we were out there, and we hear somebody in the background say, "Look away." Mm-hmm. So I'm still trying to verify this, but I'm relatively certain that the place that we were sitting on that second night, um, somebody took their own life by leaping off that cliff. Uh, I don't know, actually. If they did, though, it would absolutely have been in the news. Well, no, the the thing that I've picked out is that there have been a lot of people who have jumped to their death uh, on in that area. But, um, yeah, I'm trying to pin down if somebody actually leapt from that particular point. Because it almost seemed like it was like, teasing us to, like, you know, come on down here, you know? You see yeah, what the Google uh, provides. Hiker falls to his death in North Carolina's Linville Gorge. Hmm. Now I'm sure if we go back through history, though, we're going to find like you know forty fucking people <laughs> who have died in yeah, one way I can or do another. Some research on that because I think yeah. I still have my um, edu access to like research journals. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you happen to stumble across anything, let me know. Um, but I. Uh, you know, actually, I, w- whenever I get done with this call, I'm going to be reviewing the uh, the audio from the second evening, and I'm wondering if that look away is going to show up on the other recording devices that I had going. So I'm going to. I would imagine it would, that. because those were even like right at the same area where he was recording. Right? Uh, but yeah, but see, here's the thing: at this point, as as many investigations that I've done, I will pick up some amazing stuff on my little tiny piece of shit uh, handheld digital audio recorder, and not the three thousand dollar and heavy yeah, right, stuff. exactly, yeah. yeah. So it's it's ridiculous like that, but it's also why we're gonna invest in in doing some analog stuff when we go to the Sally House. Um, I've I've got a classic tape recorder uh, camcorder. <laughs> Um, I offered to build a forest of Faraday cage for their, is it the D80? Like the recorder that they used at the Sally house? Oh yeah, the like, uh, DD60, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. I was like, put it in a Faraday cage. And he was like, why? And I was like, you won't get any outside interference if it's in a Faraday cage. If it's yeah. in a Faraday cage, whatever is coming into it is in that cage with it. I know that uh, people swear by the, the DR60. Um but at this point, I'm pretty sure there are better options that will get the same type of effect. And I'm still trying to figure all that out. Like, I've been messing around with every analog and digital recorder I can possibly find just to see what will happen. Um, mm-hmm. And I think when we go to the Sally House, we're going to be recording off of like 16 fucking devices at one time. Because <laughs> Alejandro is bringing all of his like handheld micro cassette recorders and shit like that. So... Um, I'm sure we'll get something on one of them and I'm probably going to have to host a pizza party to help people, uh, uh, help have people help me sort through hours and hours and hours of audio and video. This well, is I love pizza. Bad. So, well, Hey, right on. Okay. It's a good excuse for you to come and visit and hang out. We'll stuff Absolutely. our faces and listen to some spooky shit. I'll bring um, pie crust. Huh? I'll bring pie crust. Ooh. Aha. 
Oh man, <laughs> I live for the pie. But yeah, it's uh it was it was such a, a weird transition from night one into night two. Uh, I mean, you know, as we've already said, night one was was very kind of playful, and I really think that whatever if we were in fact getting anything from that session. It was coming from whatever was down there in the canyon because yeah, it, was it was very playing, much playful. Yeah, that's a really good was, word for it. Yeah, and it was playing around with us, like as we were reacting and playing with it. Um, if folks, if y'all are out there, I do want to apologize to the uh, the young, recently engaged couple whose night I ruined on the second evening uh, by flashing the laser light, but. Also, oh, fuck you, uh, because I don't get out of the house that much, and I got to make do with what time I got. You guys are probably well off enough. You can take a honeymoon vacation up there and go enjoy yourselves. But sorry, we were there for aliens or ghost lights. Eh. Okay, you got to tell the story, though, because we're there second night. We're setting up. There's a bunch of people asking you questions about your equipment. And we had set up at the other viewing area because they were on the one we were on the night before. Right. Pictures, yes. right? Yeah. So John's using the laser and he's like over here and then it was over there and then this thing and blah, blah, blah. And this lady just yells from the other viewing area, knock it off with the laser. And John just goes, no. Nope. <laughs> no, thank amazing. you. Sorry. It's the only chance I got. We're here and for science. Everyone in our group just started laughing. Because <laughs> uh, you were like, it wasn't, there was no pause where you thought about it for a second. I was like, nope. Nope. <laughs> Absolutely not. I I do feel like a little bit of a dick for that one, but also uh I mean the the chances of us getting to go up there with us actually being working class people is pretty slim. You know, we got to take advantage of it what we can. Um If you're taking your engagement photos in a public area, you're kind of a fucking idiot. Be yeah. there. Don't be a dick about it. <laughs> Uh, that was interesting though that yeah the the whole lead up on that second night a whole lot of curious people kept popping up and they're like what are you guys doing what are you guys doing oh yeah that one guy kept asking weird questions oh 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 the guy who is like fishing basically yeah, yeah, for yeah you anything weird yeah we saw shit last night yeah absolutely I really do wish that I could go back to that first night, though, because I, I was, I am still just absolutely amazed by it. And so let, experience one, which was night one, that was more like a Spielberg thing. Experience two on night two was more like a J.J. Abrams horror thing, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Spielberg on night one, Abrams on night two. Yes, um, I agree with that, yeah. But there were uh, there were a couple of things that you guys witnessed that I didn't get to because I was either yeah. I was either under or I was fiddling with equipment. Is I did not get to see the big burst that split yeah, into five. Yeah, you had the headset on and you were like trying to zone out and focus on the sound. Yeah. And I'm sure all of us on the audio you listen to are just standing around going, "Holy shit! Oh my god! Did you see that?" <laughs> like, no, no, I I do hear it. I hear. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was Shane. He just goes what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to find that uh, single sample and isolate it so I can play it at the beginning of each episode in this series. Like, what the fuck? Because I was... And then Alan's like, I can run over there. Or like, 
dude, it's like four miles. And he's like, yeah, it'll only take me like two hours. Okay, so so we need a frame of reference here because I think uh, my interview with, with you is going to come before Alan. Mm, Megan okay. here was kind enough to put me in touch with a friend of hers from the Asheville area named Alan. This guy is amazing. I, I thank you so much for introducing me to him. What Absolutely. a delightful human being. And, he really um, is. He's the best. <laughs> His, this guy lives to run trails. Uh, he's a you know full blown vegan health nut who just loves to run through the woods. He does ultra marathons, which are more than fifty miles minimum. Um, he usually does the hundred milers. Um, Alan probably God. is running twenty to thirty miles a day, maybe like more than a hundred miles a week, every week, just like makes his my whole life. Heart hurt. So when we're like, it. he's like, Oh yeah, I know what trail that is. I could just run over there. And we're like, how far is it? He was like, Oh, like five miles. Like, dude, that'll take forever. And he's like, no, I could get there and back in like two hours. Yeah. No, he's like, I can get there in like hour, hour and a half. No problem. You, you want me to run down there? I'm like, uh, I mean, and yes, you, but <laughs> yes, no. but no, but yes, but no. <laughs> And then I think we decided at that point we were coming back at another time when we planned ahead and getting like long range, like walkie talkies and having like three groups, somebody on Wiseman's and two, two groups out running. Which, uh, I, you know, honestly, this is something that I want, uh, I want to kind of plan for next fall. Like what we, based on my research, like it's September through November are the most active times for the lights. Oh, I'm 100% so I, in, so. All right. Yeah. Kick ass. And I, I know that Alan will be too. So, um, given the amount of people that are coming with us to Waverly, I think it's safe to say that I have a ever evolving and revolving door, an army of willing investigators. So yes. if we plan ahead enough, we can get a solid amount of people and have like three teams. One on I think you need to uh, get Alan to get some of the other ultra runners. Because mm. if we have all the dudes that like all they ever do is run in the woods at night, like doing running, they'll want to do it anyway, just because it gives them an excuse to run a and B, right. mm. uh, they'll be able to get to and from places a lot quicker than having anybody else over there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, Alan, Alan was just such a, oh, like at this point moving forward, anytime we're doing anything in that area, I want to get this guy in on it because he's just, he's got such great energy, great personality, very open-minded to it all. And willing to go running through the woods in the wee hours of the morning, just to appease a couple of paranormal fucking investigators. Like, I love it. <laughs> I think I have my headlamp in the car. I could just run over there. And we're like, no, dude, it's like 10 o'clock at night. No, it's fine. And he's like, no, it's only <laughs> taking like an hour and a half. Yeah, I got it. No problem. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> that, that guy is fucking bananas. What a, like, I trust you. Anytime you vouch for someone, they're welcome to to tag along. So the um, reason I know Alan is because he was engaged to my best friend. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so that's how I met, Al well, I met Alan when we were all, like, 17 getting tattoos. And uh, my <laughs> friend Chelsea had a huge crush on him. And then they started dating years later. But that's how I met Alan, basically. Oh, right on. So she vouched for him, and then I was like, "Yeah, he's pretty cool." And then we're yeah. we're still chill. Kick ass, man. But yeah, he was uh, he was a great addition to the team, and um, you know, actually, the the whole group, which was kind of ragtag and put together at the last minute, um, it turned out to be like the right balance of different kinds of energies. I think, mm -hmm. um, at least to trigger some different experiences. Um, now. 
Ralph, as I've told you before, that guy's like a fucking beacon. That that guy is like constantly in another state <laughs> of mind his entire life. So having him there was great. And um, uh, never met Shane before, but he actually turned out to be like really, really into it. And I'm so glad he brought, uh, brought that little thermal. Oh, yeah. Shane was really nice. Yeah. yeah. They were both oh, really yeah. great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was trying to explain to somebody like right before I left what I was doing. And I was like, well, I'm going to go hang out in the woods with a bunch of dudes I've never met before. And they're like, what? That's not dangerous. And I'm like, Oh, whatever. They seem fine. (laughs) You, you know how to read people pretty good. You pick up on that. And um, I also have, um, white lady privilege. I'm a middle-class white woman. If I go missing, everyone's going to look for me. There is also that. Yeah. Uh, only way that you're ever going to go missing is, uh, you know, if the UFO comes and, um, you know, sucks us up in the middle of one of our investigations. And Which, honestly, considering some of the other stories I've told you may actually happen. Kind of hoping it does. Like, I'm I'm game. Take me off of this fucking planet, please. Like, Give me a heart. Oh. <laughs> um, I just want a jog, goddammit. Oh, I know. I mean, I feel like we have a good good connection on the heart bullshit. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have uh, uh, some larger issues than I do, but like mine are just beginning. Now I'm going to have to start really paying attention because at any moment it could go south again. But you know what? Could be worse. You could have no opposable thumbs. Hey, we have this conversation. There's, I've never had to do anything. I've definitely needed thumbs for. Uh Keep thinking about it. I'm sure you're going to find something. I'm sure you can accomplish anything, but let's just say everything would be much more difficult at the very least, right? Yes. So before we uh, before we move on, do you have any like final comments, thoughts, or, or feelings about our experience at uh, at Brown Mountain? Brown like night one was like uh, magical. <laughs> like it was just like it was this perfect confluence of like people and the weather. And like things. And it was just like, I went to bed that night and I was like, God damn, like this is the first time I've come out here. The very first time I've been here. And I got to see the brown mountain lights. Like perfect, beautiful, excellent. I was like, no matter what happens day two, this was a good trip. Yep. Yeah. And what were the chances of that too? And I I love the fact that we were there for two nights. We only saw them once. And just like Every other fucking paranormal moment. We only got to see a little bit of it, not the whole thing. Fuckers were fucking with us. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, we're us. It's what it does. It's true. It's very true. Yeah. yeah. No, but it was think- like magical. And then night two, like, I think I told you this while we were there. I was like, something about night two, like, the whole the energy was just off. Like, it didn't feel bad. It didn't feel dangerous or unsafe or anything. I just got there and, like, I was like, we're not going to see anything. The second we sat down and started setting up, I was just like, we're not going to see anything tonight. I know we're not going to see anything. Kinda <laughs> and got you were that like, why? Too. And I was like, the valley feels like an empty bowl. Like, like, there's like nothing. Like, there's nothing there. Yeah. I remember you saying that. And I honestly, I think I I felt that too, but I didn't want to admit it to myself. I was trying to to be very hopeful yeah. that we were going to get a repeat uh, experience, but I think we all knew that we weren't going to get that because yeah. it gave us so much on that first night. 
But I was All like, right. we're not going to see shit. And we didn't mm. see anything. And then, but then the Estes session happened. And like, that was cool. I don't like to know what that was. But yeah. like, as soon as that happened, like that energy just immediately changed to like, oh shit, we're not supposed to be here right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really good description of how it felt. It, um, um, it felt like it, it, it felt like it was trying to convince us to leave there and go down into the valley. And there was something about that feeling that made me feel really uneasy. I was was like, I don't take directions from like people (laughs) well. So I specifically very poorly take directions from, uh, Invisible ghost lights, sentient yeah. beings. Yeah. Like I'm like, mm, he's like, yeah, we want you. Let's, let's go down. You should go down to trail 15. And I'm like, fuck that. Like, no, like you want to talk to us? We're right here. But see, that's, that's the thing is, is like, all right. So whenever the tone shifted on that second night and, and things took a little bit of a darker turn, right. It kind of felt to me like, uh, like whoever was transmitting to us, somebody passed the mic. It felt like a Oh yeah, it was like a completely different. It was like it was like whatever we were talking to was afraid of what came through um later. Like Afterwards. it was like it, yeah, exactly. Yes. It was yeah. almost like um cuz like I remember when I was doing it with you the, that second night, I forget what I said. Um but it said something like you know, we shouldn't be talking right now or something like that. Or it can hear or whatever. I was like, who can hear? Blah, 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 blah. And like, like maybe 10 minutes after that is when he took over. And then the shift was just like immediate. Yeah. It was. Or it was they can hear. Yeah. And I think like when I was doing the first session that night, the second night, um, like we were getting, they were like, oh yeah, it's like this thing. Like the, it was giving us like the Ridge trail number, like the one across the top and not the one in the right. valley. Right. And then, right. Yeah, yeah. And then as soon as Ralph took over, it was like, oh no, this, this other trail, like, and it never said trail. It just kept repeating the number. The and numbers, then I was like, yeah. I showed Ralph the trail number on my phone and he was like, are you talking about trail 15? Or are you talking about trail? Whatever. And it was like, yeah. yes. I responded with yes. Yeah, and then... Okay, um, look, I, I gotta be honest with you. I have been procrastinating listening to that second night because it fucking shook me. Like, it, uh... You know, you were talking about how you're you're a pretty um, assertive individual, and for the most part of my life, I very much am too, but anytime I do any of those experiments like that, I tend to be a little bit of an open book, and, you know, whatever, whatever fucking falls in there just ends up on the page. Um, this has given me a lot of unique and beautiful experiences, but it also has put me into some really fucking uncomfortable ones. And that was definitely very uncomfortable. Like, Oh, there was you know, literally you- like a physical change watching you. Cause like when mm-hmm. I was doing it, when we were doing this, this session, you were sitting and you're like sitting up and you're like headphones on and you're just like Zen and kind of relaxed, kind of look like you're meditating might rock it back and forth a little bit you know (laughs) not even really not like maybe a little but like not any that i noticed and then like the second ralph took over you kind of like like condensed down on yourself and like rocked a little and like we're leaning against the stone wall like you look like somebody had put you like under like a big weight vest like because you were sitting like when we did it you were nice and like taller back was straight you're like looking straight ahead got your eyes closed headphones on you just look real relaxed like real chill yeah. Like 
soon as Ralph took over, it was like you compressed, like you shrunk, like you bat your back bent. It was like you were protecting your internal organs, kind of like a thing, like my you're spine like scrunched curved. real tight. Your spine curved, your head's down, like the whole shebang. And then like you, then you started shivering. And then that, I think that's when you like a couple minutes after that's when you bailed. And then we were like, we need to not be here and you need a blanket. <laughs> yeah. I, um, <laughs> but you know, I was, I was talking with Ralph on the way back from, from that, from that trip. And I kind of want to kick myself in the ass, uh, for, for bailing when I did, because I should have stayed. We should have no, stayed. No, sh- absolutely. You should not have. <laughs> like, uh, I spend a lot of time in the hospital. You did not look well. Uh, it was like, more, more than, more than just the shakes then. Yeah. If I had, if I didn't know you like at all and I, like, I can't, we've only, well, that was like the first time we met. So that was the second night, like we were hanging out, like. So I'd talk to you, but like, we didn't know, know each other, but like, if I saw somebody like sitting on the side of the road doing that, my immediate thought, like if that person's need, they, they need medical care. Like people don't sit like that unless they're having like a lot of pain. They're in a lot of pain. They're having a psychiatric episode, like a bunch of sh- like that is a person that needs medical care, like a, a normal, like relatively healthy, like person does not sit like that. Yeah. Like it wasn't just like you, it was it was literally like you were trying to make yourself as small as possible. I it it felt like a cold weight just enveloped me and started mm-hmm. to like compress it, like you were being crushed. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. it was uh, like I looked at you and was like that I you may even hear it on the recording. I'm not sure how loud I said it, but like to myself I'm like that does not look that does not look good. <laughs> and then, like a couple minutes later, that's when you bailed, and I was like, "No, this is bad. You, you specifically we need, we need, need to, to not be here. Like, <laughs> we should leave." And I remember because you were like, "Oh, we got to get everything packed up," and Ralph and Sean were like, oh, "I want to stay a little longer and take my pictures and blah blah blah." And I'm like, "Whatever you guys want, we are walking towards the car because this motherfucker needs to sit down." All right, so so it's. So what's what's really interesting about that is that the the rest of that evening until we get back to camp uh, from the moment that the Estes session kind of took like a south turn, I don't really remember too much. Okay, so and, like, um, and that's I'm, part of the reason I think I've been hesitant to go back and listen yeah, to it, but I'm going to have to eventually. And his buddy were like, you know, we want to like take some more pictures and do some more recording and like look at some stuff, and I'm like, cool, cool, cool. You guys do that. Uh, John needs to not be here right now. <laughs> like we need, like we need to go. <laughs> like you guys can stay if you want. I feel like I shouldn't be right here, like here right now. John looks like he shouldn't be here right now. Like we need to go. So and you like, yourself had that internal feeling of we should oh, not be here right now. Because I, re- okay. I've said it out loud on several occasions. I, like as soon as you came out of that Estes, I was like loudly was like uh we need to not be here right now (laughs) like i we don't need to be here like we should i think i said we should not be here right now and ralph was like oh we gotta get some more photos or like whatever recordings they were doing on their own equipment and like you were like shivering and i just wrapped you in a blanket Mm -hmm. i'm like until you like stop shaking and then we've got everything packed up and i was like you guys do what you want I'm taking John to the car and they followed us like shortly, like not even a minute later, probably. 
And like, see, I, all, of, all of that is a fucking blur for me. Yeah. All of that is a blur. Like I, I remember when I got the chill down my spine and I like curled up into a ball, but everything after that is just like bits and pieces and fragments. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so I don't know. Like, actually, like I really am a little, um, I'm a little scared to go back and listen to session two, but I'm going to end up doing that here pretty soon. I had kind of have to <laughs> uh, glutton for punishment, you know, <laughs> Wow, masochists of the world unite. Ah, fucking a. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what comes of that. Once I actually get a chance to dive I back mean, into feel it. free. I'm going to be up all night. So if you get like freaked out or something, by all means to text me or call or whatever. Well, um, I will probably, honestly, what I think I'm going to end up doing tonight is actually just, um, since I have several hours of flights coming up, uh, this week for Thanksgiving, I'm, I'm actually going to just tonight. I'm not really going to dive into it. I'm just going to do some volume leveling and then bounce the whole Estes session over to my phone so I can listen to it on the way there and back again. Um, All so right, it, huh? there and back again. <laughs> I love it. Precious. <laughs> exactly. um, <laughs> but yeah, I'll uh, I'll be listening to it um on the way there on Wednesday and on the way back on Friday. And um yeah, don't don't be surprised if I call you out of the blue. I'm like, dude, I don't know about this. Man. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> how long is your flight? Because I don't know that I really want you to like uh get all cold and shaky and weird on an airplane because you might get arrested. Uh, longest, longest flight I think is an hour and 20 on this whole trip. Uh, I'll be okay. fine. All right. It, like even, even if I go going back and listening to all this stuff for me is very different than reliving the experience. Cause I've, I've gone back and listened to some of the darker experiences that I've had through the audio that I've captured and re-listening to them doesn't really seem to affect me that much. Um, but being there in the moment, you know, it's a whole different animal. It was, it was weird, man. Yeah, I was a um, I was, was concerned intense, for your like physical safety. I um, I appreciate that, but this world is not done fucking with me yet. I'm gonna be around for a while, so. <laughs> well, there's a family. My family has a saying: "We're all gonna die, and I intend to deserve it." I fucking like that. I think that needs to be on a t-shirt and I might use that. <laughs> absolutely. All yours. Just send me one. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, Megan, thank you so much for, uh, for joining me tonight. Do you have any, um, closing thoughts or, uh, things that you want to share regarding the experience? I mean, chances are I'm going to end up dragging you back on for the conclusion episode anyway. So yeah, you're good. We're good. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I kind of just, went over what I remember. I think next time I need to like, I didn't sit down, like write it all out when it was fresh. So I'm kind of like trying to pull it out of my brain and that, that doesn't work great for me. So I think next time I'm going to start writing it down as it's happening. I, um, that's a good point. And I think in the future, uh, like, you know, you and I are going to be sharing several experiences in the upcoming year. Um, I'm going to make it a point to bring a secondary recorder and that, uh, the SD card that'll be in that will be for immediate interviews and first impressions after the experience. Yeah. You know? That's a good idea. Yeah. Um, since we all live kind of remotely and all over the place, being able to uh, capture the experience and the feelings that we're feeling at the moment that it happens, I think is great. And then do a follow up later, a couple of months as the show is about to air. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Works for me. Well, 
Thank you so much for uh, for joining me. Um, be expecting to hear a whole lot more from Megan as uh, 2022 rolls around because we got some tricks up our sleeves and one that I haven't even mentioned on the show, but we'll talk about that one later. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, yeah, much love to you. Right and I'm glad you. you're part of the family. Thanks. Me too. I'm uh, I'm happy that I decided to join the woods, join a bunch of men I never met in the woods and didn't get murdered. So we're all good. <laughs> no, 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 no. Only thing that will murder is a Bigfoot, but only if That's they attack. True. Well, only if they attack. <laughs> somebody's going to shoot a ghost, apparently. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that is probably going to be one of the best ongoing jokes <laughs> Period. Moving forward. I'll shoot the fucking ghost. I'll give a damn. I'll shoot it. Coming up my right. stairway. All right. All right, Megan. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you soon. Absolutely. Bye. Once again, I would like to thank Megan for coming onto the show and sharing her perception of the experience that we had on Brown Mountain. Uh, it was an incredible trip, and this is going to be an interesting journey as we discuss the different points of view that we all had throughout this experience. Now, that's going to wrap up the first part of this series. Uh, we are going to be talking a little bit more about the history and some more well-documented cases as this moves forward, and hopefully I have a couple of special guests who might as well be called experts on it. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And also, don't forget, there will be the addendum of the condensed version of the first night's Estes session. That'll be dropping a little bit later this weekend. And it's not going to be the the full session because, to be honest, there was a lot of dead space. If you've ever done one of these, then you understand that there's, there's a lot of empty space in between call and response. So I did do kind of a condensed version, but there were some interesting anomalies that I'm going to pop in and narrate. Look for that to drop sometime between now and Sunday evening. But to wrap up, um, thank you for listening. Uh, be sure to follow us anywhere on social media, xvplanis on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We also have uh, Twitch and YouTube channels up right now. And as I said earlier in the show, there's nothing really on them at the moment, but that will change here pretty soon. Thank you all again so much for listening. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other.